0: Welcome back to the Meaningful Success Podcast. My name is Saya, and this is my big papa, Wade. I always
1: make you laugh just because I say (laughs) my name.
0: I keep expecting more fanfare, and then it's just Wade. That's probably not the one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, Saya, how's your week been?
0: It's been okay. It's been um, productive. Getting a lot of prep stuff done for moving and been working on writing stuff a lot and client work and just, just been busy.
1: Gotcha. What so about let's you? Let's keep the enthusiasm down. You're a little bit over the top here.
0: <laughs> I have, I have bad allergies right now, so I'm not feeling a hundred percent. So that's why I'm a little, <laughs> <laughs> it's like,
1: Yes, I did my work and such. So yeah, <laughs> Let's kind of get things kicked off here then. Um, well, what, what what was your weekly win? My weekly win is actually kind of an unusual win It's that I had to say no to someone about a major project, at least not necessarily no altogether, but no in the timeframe that, that was being requested. And um, it sounds like a kind of a strange win, but there's a lot of priorities that are going on right now. And there's a lot of good things that people ask for, but sometimes you just have to look at it and say, you know, it's just not practical for me to be able to get this done without sacrificing some other things that are really, really critical.
0: So you basically drew a
1: boundary. I drew a boundary. How about you? (laughs) I thought you were going to say more than that. I was thinking about it, but I didn't. Okay. Um, My win
0: is um, I was hitting a point where I was hitting a little bit of a wall, needing to have some stuff figured out, like on the world building side. And uh, like some backstory kind of stuff. and the mm-hmm. thing the thing about it is like, you know the book I'm working on has like a magic magical school thing in it, right? Okay. So they so they're going to classes in part of it. So if I'm writing about them learning stuff at a class, you know, I have to know what they're learning.
1: Oh, okay. And it's
0: not it's not like they're learning you know, algebra, right? So there were things that I hadn't had figured out yet. That I'm starting to, that I just, I need to have together in order to proceed. Yes. Um, but and not so, as
1: extreme as as you used to do with the world building on some of the things you did earlier.
0: Yeah, where so. y- you need to know every kind of plant that's in the world and whatever. No, <laughs> not like that. So, but I, I spent quite a bit of time on that the last couple days. And I haven't finished what I need to do, but I've made some solid progress. So that's my win right now. Awesome.
1: Well, I thought we would talk about today something that's a little bit different. And it actually... stems off of some things that, that have come up recently. There's been a few things that have come up recently on this, on this end and with my family and some friends, and, and that is the topic of decision-making, or more specifically, in situations where you just have to make a practical decision. Where this is coming from is I, I think that sometimes when we go through the decision process or we have something that we're, we're looking at and we're trying to, to figure out the direction. A lot of times these are directional. Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Am I going to continue or am I going to stop? Am I going to do these things? A lot of times we kind of build those up. To where there needs to be some kind of fanfare, or some message from heaven, or some newsletter, or some something major uh, factor that this is some kind of some vision, kind of breakthrough, some kind of breakthrough decision. And I think that that is actually a hindrance for many of us. You know, I think back to when I was early in my marriage. Um, I was working in the uh, in the music industry, uh, not as a musician, although I, that would have been fun. But no, I was I was actually doing sales in the music industry uh, in Nashville, and it was fun work. I enjoyed the job. I enjoyed those kind of things. However, we just financially it was just not making it. I mean, it was just it was just. Challenging, and I looked at some. I looked at a variety of things, and look, we we looked at a, a variety of opportunities. You know, we were second jobs and all those kind of things. Everything kind of gets shut down here and shut down there, and a closed door there and a closed door here. And we, I'm, I'm a Christian, and so praying and praying through decisions and and really hearing what. What I feel is the right thing to do is is important to me, and you know sometimes I feel very strong guidance on things that I'm praying about, and sometimes, honestly, it's just silence, and and I don't I don't feel like I've got any direction or clear leading. And I remember back at that time, I had a couple of men that that were uh, kind of mentors of mine. Uh, but I was having conversations about some of the things that we were struggling with, and we were trying to figure out what we needed to do, whether we needed to stay in in Nashville or move back to Texas or do something different. And each of them said something to me that I thought was very powerful. I mean, they, they put it in the context of, of my faith and said, you know, don't over-spiritualize some things. Some things are just practical decisions. And when I looked at that, that was tough because I, I wanted some— kind of big <laughs> revelation as to why I'm doing what I am what I was going to do. But I, I, I learned a lesson at that time that sometimes we have to approach the things that we're doing, not because it's some part of a big vision, not because it's an element of a major strategy, not because some compelling uh, uh, motivation or, or cause, but sometimes we just have decisions that we need to make in our lives in our businesses, in the things that we're pursuing that are just practical. And honestly, I struggle with that at times. And I think other people do too. I mean, what are your thoughts on those things?
0: I think people who were raised in church environments are perhaps uniquely prone
1: to this. It's very possible.
0: I think there are people who are not that way, who tend to have that you know, approach and and want to make sure they're making the right decision. And there's that kind of analysis paralysis thing where you're agonizing and anxious so much about making the correct decision, Yeah, um, which kind of goes into that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the reasons for Hesitating to make a decision can be a lot of different things. I mean, sometimes it can be past experiences. I mean, you may have encountered things or you've done some things, and you're like, "Gee, I don't want to make that mistake again." So you uh, you have a circumstance that comes up; it reminds you of a, of a previous circumstance, and you you're asking yourself, "Okay, I don't want to make that mistake again." Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, facts and circumstances and situations are different. I mean, what even though some things can be similar, and some certain certainly you want to learn from your from your history i think there's a lot of reasons why people may hesitate to make a decision and you know that's just something that i was i was thinking about and, and one of the things that i was pondering about that is what are some of the hesitations that crop up i was i was talking with someone just the other day and they're having to go through a decision process on some things and they're frustrated they're fearful they're hesitant but sometimes I think that those hesitations. I mean, when I was talking to them, I think that one of the things that was for them was what was hindering their decision was honestly expectations they had of themselves that they felt if they made a certain decision then that would you know they, they were disappointing themselves in some ways mm-hmm. I think that that may be one of those factors that comes up um, well expectations in
0: general you know like I said I think I think there's with that degree of having to learn that practical decisions are are necessary like yes. I feel like that's something that like I said people who grew up in church environments are uniquely prone to because in religion your there's a strong emphasis on like accountability for every individual action. Sure. And so wanting to make sure that your every individual action is as correct as it can be, there's kind of a paranoia that can come up in that. True but also there's an expectation side of that where you are taught to expect to have some sort of guidance and if or when that guidance doesn't manifest the question you're asking is what's wrong with me like mm-hmm. why what's wrong with me that i'm not getting this you know this guidance that i'm supposed to be getting cuz i'm religious or whatever right correct that's an expectation. That's an expectation that there's reasons for why you have it. But I think with what you're talking about with your friend talking to them, mm-hmm. um, they it's a, it's, it's an expectation of themselves that they're afraid of letting down. And I think a lot of times with these practical decisions, that's really what it comes down to is, for example, take your decision of you ended up, you know, moving back from Tennessee to Texas. This is when I was an infant. I was like, less than a year old. Correct. 30 years ago. <laughs> but I've heard this story many times throughout my life because it's a lesson that was so core that you learned. Yeah. about that need for practical decisions. But the temptation I think is when you make the practical decision or rather when you're considering it, there can be a fear of failure. It's yes. like it's like admitting defeat if you do the practical choice because doing the practical thing means the other thing didn't work and therefore you failed.
1: Well, and that's actually, I think there's a lot of things that come into that. Those those expectations also, I mean, it's kind of similar to some of the challenges that you have. Sometimes it's on making a decision and sometimes it is, you know, sustaining post a decision. Because I know that, for example, you've talked to many times about having this, you know, clock on your back that, you know, had certain expectations of yourself of achieving certain things in a certain time period Mm -hmm. at a certain age. And again, that was kind of an expectation that was, while, while it might not have been causing you to sit down and say, okay, I need to make a decision. How does this factor in? But I think it was driving your behavior. I think it was driving a lot of miniature decisions or smaller decisions that you were making because you had this clock ticking in your head or your heart that you thought you had to meet.
0: Right. And that came from, you know, expectations as well of expectations of what my life should look like and what I was okay with it looking like and what I would be disappointed by it looking like.
1: And expectations come from all, I mean, we just talked about our expectations on ourselves, but I mean, sometimes we we have expectations that, that or we feel that there's expectations placed upon us by others. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you know, parent, a boss, a child, a friend, uh, whatever, but also expectations from society and culture. And with respect to the society and culture, I think that's an interesting one because I think that sometimes we lose touch of, maybe we never even have objectivity from the standpoint of we are putting everything in the frame of reference of our culture, our, our environment. But when you look at you know, the different societies around the world, you look at different different uh, groups of people, n- not everybody has the same way that they approach or viewpoint of the same things. And so we we filter everything through our societal norms and, and those expectations, but we're not looking at a bigger picture. An example of that might be, you know, there's, there's an expectation for some that, okay, picture of uh, a youth growing up, okay, they, they, there was, Clearly, at times there was, uh, at times in this country, there was an, a kind of a thought process. Okay, well, you go get your, your you do well in your high school, then you get your college degree, then, and then you move out on your own and you're self sustaining and you, you're, you um, you've got a career at this point in time, then you start investing your 401k and yada, 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 all this whole, this kind of yada, yada, yada. Did you just yada, yada me? I did yada, yada, you, not like Jerry Seinfeld, but <laughs> yada, yada. But, um, But I mean, the point being, okay, I grew up, when I was growing up, that expectation that... You go to college, that's kind of the next step was prevalent, but also there was more evidence supporting that. And I'm not trying to be political here with respect to whether you should or should not go to college or the value in that kind of stuff. But the point being- You shouldn't. I shouldn't what? You
0: shouldn't go to college. That I'm not going to hesitate. You shouldn't oh, go to college. Oh, no.
1: Oh, I thought you meant you were saying I shouldn't go there or whatever. No,
0: no, 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 no. I'm saying, <clears throat> I am saying my father can, can, can say what he likes. I'm telling you. If you're, if you're asking whether you should go to college, don't. <laughs> All right, let's move on.
1: Well, but my point is, when I was growing up in college, the cost of college then compared to when you graduated college, the salary you receive, if you were to divide the cost that you spent to go through college by the salary you receive in your first year after college, whatever that multiple is, it's like morphed now. You know, it, where it may have taken you 3 years to pay to pay off that college when I was graduating, it may take 10 years of that same starting salary now or whatever because the cost of college has just skyrocketed and the equivalent value of salaries after college have not grown at that same pace. <laughs> And yet, if I still view the world from the paradigm of, okay, this is how it should be done, this is how it is, we're not looking at reality. And and that comes back to those whole things of expectations. So when you're looking at decisions, sometimes you have to ask yourself, you know, am I actually looking at things clearly? Am I looking at things as they are today in the reality?
0: Mm -hmm. Another area that the practical decisions come up is in the area of like procrastination. Mm. For example, if you want to, and we talk about books all the time because we're both authors, but if you want to write a book, the only way to write the book is to write the book. Right? There's a practical decision there and there's procrastination and stuff that can come up with that of, I want to make sure everything's perfect and I got to have everything figured out and blah, blah, blah. But there's things like that where there's practical decisions you ha- you just have to make and just kind of have to force yourself to make in order to get where you want to go. If you want to run a mile, you have to start running. Right. Right? If, if if you want to paint a painting, you have to... Buy a canvas. Yeah, you have to get a canvas and start painting, right? Like, there's very practical steps you have to take there. And that may seem super obvious, But I think that similar to the religious thing, there's this idea that there's a ideal, that there's a a perfect state of things in order to make whatever decision or to take whatever action. Things have to be perfect. Things have to line up in just the right way at just the right timing and the reality is that just leads to a whole lot of wasted time.
1: Well, that's true. It's kind of, it's interesting because uh, several things come to mind. One one is thinking about, and I'm definitely not going to go into the politic realm, but think about voting. In the last few elections, I've done a lot more research just because of the nature of, of where the state I was in. We had some, you know, you could vote at home and and I could take time to literally Search the internet on each candidate and what their positions were. And if you're looking for a candidate that's going to be 100% aligned with you, good luck. I mean, I don't think that exists. So I think that that kind of a situation, you have to look at the big picture. You have to recognize, yes, you may have a few, for lack of a better term, non negotiables, but you have to be careful about those too. You have to really know. Why is it that that is a, for lack of better terms, a non-negotiable? On that, but, but back to your procrastination, you know, um, I think fear enters in on some of these. I think
0: fear is the core of all of it. Well, that's interesting. I think, I mean, not not to interrupt you, but I I I think that the core thing we're addressing here is is fear, fear, because practical decisions, you know, w- what stops us from making them? What stops us from taking the practical fear of a actions? Fear of a mistake, fear or of the wrong timing, fear of messing up, fear of whatever. Opportunity cost, opportunity. Yeah, that's a huge one. Opportunity cost. Yeah. So, and not to interrupt you, you you go ahead. I just no, yeah. no.
1: It's I think that's a really good point. The fear factor is 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 a major element here. I mean, um, I was talking with someone just uh, the other day who's trying to make some decisions uh, for kind of what what the next steps they're planning to do, and um, some of those may involve changing jobs. Some of those may involve actually moving. Uh, to different, there's different options to different places, and there's a lot of a lot of fear, a lot of trepidations, a lot of frustration, uh, because in all reality, ideally they'd like to be in the position they're in now, and that, that things were working, but not all the circumstances work like I described when I was in Tennessee when we first were married. It just, you know, I may have liked. Yeah. Stayed. I may have liked the town. I may have liked some of these things, but I have to put food on the table. I have to put groceries in. And, and yeah, you were born, and actually, we need to put diapers on you and that kind of stuff at that yeah. time, you know. And so, you have to make those decisions. And one of those procrastinations are we. And this is a weird thing. Sometimes we almost prefer to procrastinate, even evaluating the decision. It's not like we're enjoying the frustration or enjoying the the struggle. But the struggle is known. But the struggle is known. And like in that particular example, I was talking to the person and and said, you know, there was three different routes that they were thinking about. I said, well, in this particular case, get three sheets of paper out, literally write down. And it's not just solely a pro con list. I mean, and that is part of it. You know, what are the pros and what's the cons of, of each of these decisions? But in that particular case... It was not making a decision for here in eternity, okay, I may move here, I may move there, I may move another place. It's not like a situation that, okay, I must always live there. If I make a decision to move here, I have to stay there forever. It was a matter of, okay, if you took the next two years and said, this is what I'm going to do, where do you think you might be in two years in each of these three scenarios? Yeah. Financially, um, relationally, et cetera. and, And write those things out. And put it black and white because sometimes we get so caught in our head and in our emotions that everything's bouncing against each other like ping pong balls. Yeah. But when we take the time to one by one literally write these things out and set them in front of us black and white, sometimes things get more crisp and clean and some of those balls stop hitting each other. And you can look and you can start making decisions from that standpoint. It's not like that's a a be all end all, but it is a practical way or practical tool that can be helpful uh, as you're looking at the things you're doing. Sometimes
0: there's a fear of doing that evaluation like you were
1: getting at. Exactly because you, you know, and I think that that's just it. I think that the fear becomes when you put things on paper. What if the papers telling me something that I actually may already know in my head or my heart but I don't want to acknowledge because I don't yeah. want to make this decision. I don't want to do this thing. Yeah,
0: or I don't I don't want my situation to be what it actually is. Correct. You know.
1: And the thing is one of the things that I would encourage everybody, and I don't know who all's listening to this show, but I think sometimes we forget that there's there's like when you think about your career, most people I forget how many times I think there's statistics on how many different career changes people make over over the course of their lifetime. And I'm not talking career changes, oh, I worked at this I worked at this engineering firm and now I went to this engineering firm or I went from this restaurant to that restaurant. I'm talking about actually changing career paths, changing your trajectory and things of that nature. There's people do a lot of different things throughout their their life. And sometimes we get so caught up in the moment that we that we feel like we put so much weight on this this piece that we don't realize that you know, it's okay. We can try something out for a couple of years and maybe maybe it works maybe it doesn't we can try something else later yeah you know there's there's other opportunities in front of us as as i think about this I, I was kind of jotting down a few thoughts and if these are things you already know great but hopefully this this will be helpful one is you do need to take the time to really overcome the fear sit down and think through the various scenarios. Look at the pros and cons. Uh, look at what would be required if you made one decision versus another. Sometimes that's going to require you doing some research. Take that time to do that research, and look at the different scenarios and, and how those might play out, so that you can look at it from a practical standpoint. Do that work of the decision process. I guess the main thing that I would say is after you've made that decision, own it. It's not that that you can't reevaluate later, but Sometimes right after you make a decision, that's when all the second guessing comes up. That's when you're, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this, or maybe I should go back the other way. Yeah. And and so once you make the decision, sit with the decision for a good while. Let it take its course. Let it it run through so that you can see how it's going to impact. Because uh, sometimes people end up remaking the decision and remaking the decision because they don't want to walk it out. I mean, they, they, I've made a decision, but then they instantly kind of re-question themselves. So, yeah, you know, own it and, and be comfortable with it for a while. Well, with
0: that, I think we're going to wrap things up for today. But before we go, Pappy. Pappy? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite? <laughs> What's your favorite, Pappy?
1: <laughs> My weekly favorite. Oh, it's the weekly favorite. I feel like I'm behind the curve sometimes, but we've, we've been watching this new show for us at least. Uh, and that's Ted Lasso. And it's pretty funny. Uh, it's a story about a coach who knows nothing about soccer. He's a coach from the U S who knows nothing about soccer. And he goes over to, uh, Europe to coach a soccer team. And, uh, he's this eternal optimist. And, uh, it's, it's been funny. What about you, Saya? What is your weekly favorite?
0: Uh, we got a new vacuum. A vacuum? <laughs> yeah, Audrey and I, um, we got a, it's actually refurbished, but it's new to us. Uh, we got a, a really nice, like Dyson uh, vacuum that is like battery powered and stuff, and it works really, really well.
1: Especially with pet hair?
0: Yeah. Oh, yes like surprisingly well with pet hair. We vacuumed the upstairs and like, it's got a really small, um, I don't know what you
1: call it. Like the,
0: like the little chamber where it yeah. collects it's,
1: the dust or whatever.
0: Yeah. It's, it's got a, a pretty small one and it was like entirely hair from Emma and we vacuum, <laughs> we vacuum like once or twice a week. So yeah. like we try to, we try to get all the, the pet hair up, but it's <laughs> anyway. So, but I'm, you know, we both, uh, are really excited about it, and we're like, okay, God, we really are thirty now. Like we're getting excited <laughs> about getting excited about a vacuum. Although I will say, I I have long been someone who enjoys uh, domestic pleasures, such as a nice vacuum. Um, <laughs> so I, it's not, not really a new thing for me, but anyway, that's well, my favorite is our new vacuum.
1: Well, Dyson's are good. I mean, we've owned them a Dyson before and they, they, it's, those are good machines. Yeah. I mean,
0: it was one of those things where it's like, it's normally like a $600 vacuum. Then we got it like more than half off cause oh, we got sweet. it refurbished and stuff like that. And it's sweet. Anyway, it's really nice. So that's my favorite.
1: Excellent. Well, that about wraps it up for today. If you would uh, like to share some ideas or you have some comments or have some stories that you'd like to share with us that you may think would be a good topic for the discussion, please uh, let us know. Go to speakpipe.com slash MSP, and uh, you can record a message and give us your suggestions. We also would love if you would share this podcast with some friends.
0: Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Thank you. You're welcome. The Meaningful Success podcast has just ended. This episode's just ended. Bye-bye.